0: Dear God, why, why, 2020 just was terrible, but then again, 2021 is here, we don't know what to expect, coronavirus, another world war, who knows, anyways, hello everybody, welcome to the Real Deal Podcast, I am your host, Freak Show aka Prithvi, so welcome to episode 1, let's get into it, huh, about time man. So like any average Bengali boy living anywhere in the world, I have to give my damn opinion on every damn thing on the internet, off the internet, in person. Doesn't matter. I am literally like a human version of a dog taking a dump everywhere on the playground. It doesn't matter. I am that. I am a non-studious piece of crap making a podcast right now. God knows what's gonna happen in this, but... You gotta do what you love, man. Fashion. Anywho, I am a 12th grader Bengali living here in Bangalore. Represent, baby. Always. And of course, I'm non-studious. And since I'm in 12th grade and I should be studying right now, I really, well, I, I really don't give a damn, you know? I mean, I will be giving my board exams this year. So, screw that, you know? Happens. Oh, by the way, kids, below the age of 16, now it's the time to turn away in 3 seconds. 3, 2, 1. Yeah, life sucks, everything hurts, and I don't really think anybody is going to pass this year in their board exams. Cause, Yeah, and me being me, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to get into a good college if I keep doing this. Uh, and by this, I mean making random stuff like podcasts for I don't even know who's gonna listen to this. Probably for myself. (laughs) But, yep, that is me. Anyways, uh, this particular episode is kinda like an intro to whatever is to come. Who knows, this might actually be a career option for, for me or... I mean, right now it's for a millions, but yeah. Well, of course, this entire thing would be divided into particularly saying four or five segments. Now, not this specific episode, but this entire series of podcasts, of course. One of them being, uh, of course, I'm a middle-class boy, so I gotta discuss about that. So, middle-class life in India. Number two, current affairs. Number three, horror podcasts. Because why not? Number four, historical events. The funny ones, the retarded ones, the, the actual interesting ones, the gruesome, the disturbing ones, all of that stuff then the comedy stuff of course i'm not a really good comedian but i know a couple of people who can do that so they're welcome any day baby then of course we will have the generic scp readings like every other person does i know matthew santoro yeah big fan man big fan so that stuff and of course (laughs) shit that happens on the internet why not or you know those dihi reddit pages all that stuff cursed comments all kinds of content and of course musical channel for those who do not know who i am i play the guitar i play the drums uh i play video games as well i mean they're not related but whatever and uh, (laughs) i am an occasional bathroom singer (laughs) anywho so uh i have officially wasted four minutes of your time Um, Since this is a trailer, it is what it is. Um, I really don't like studying and all that crap. Generic stuff, you know. Anyways, this particular episode will be... Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, there will be a set in which true crimes will be uh, read out to you. Case files, specifically. Now, this particular podcast episode is based on a really gruesome and disturbing case file. Uh, hence this will be the first ever episode of the true crime series your listener's discretion uh, is advised please turn away if you are um, triggered by demonic stuff horror and of course violence Uh, this is your last chance well lots of time wasted let's get into it shall we Episode 1 of the true crime series, The Amityville Horror. It all started with Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr. who murdered his own family in the year 1974. He was tried and convicted for the murder of his parents his two brothers and two sisters in Amityville, Long Island, New York. This specific case inspired the book and the film versions of The Amityville Horror. Originally, the book was written in the year 1977 in the month of September by J. Anson titled The Amityville Horror, A True Story. And that specific book has well been used multiple times in order to produce a series of films released from 79 till date the book has claimed to be based on the paranormal experience of the lutz family but has led to controversies and god knows how many awful lawsuits just to prove that it's authentic All of it began when around at 6:30 p.m. on Wednesday, November the 13th, 1974. a 23year-old Defeo entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and declared, "You've got to help me. I, I think my, my parents are shot." Defeo and a small group of people went to the 112 Ocean Avenue, which was located near the bar and found that DeFeo's parents were indeed dead inside the house. One of the group, DeFeo's friend, Joey Yeswit, made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police Department, who searched the entire house and found that the six members of the same family were dead on their bed. The victims were as follows. Ronald Jr's parents, Ronald DeFeo's senior, and Louise DeFeo, his four siblings, Don, who was 18, Allison who was 13, Mark, who was 12, and John Matthew, who was just nine. All of the four all of the victims were shot with a 0.35 caliber lever action Marlin 336C rifle. And at around three o'clock in the morning of the same day. The DeFeo parents had both been shot twice whereas the children had all been killed with a single shot each. Physical evidence suggested that Louise DeFeo and her short daughter, Alison, were both awake at the time of their death. According to the Suffolk County Police, however, the victims were found at a very weird way. They were all lying face down in bed no other movement or anything and the weird part is there were no signs of struggle or any kind of usage of sedatives which could have subdued the family and the weird part is that they were sleeping Like logs, there was no struggle, drug or anything that was used to subdue them. Now another weird part is that once they were shot, the entire thing took about 15 minutes to get through and weird part is that nobody else woke up. The sound of the bullet was not even silenced with a suppressor on the weapon and they were all sleeping other than the mother and the daughter of course nobody reported any sounds of gunshots in the neighborhood although they did hear the dog the family dog bark violently throughout the entire 15 minutes perhaps Later on, DeFeo Jr. claimed that it was actually carried out by a mob hitman. Luis Fellini, uh, the mafia hitman, was later on trialed and upon investigation it was revealed that the murders had occurred in the morning at which point DeFeo began saying that Fellini and his accomplice had shown up at the house the morning of November 13th, put a gun to his head and forced him to watch them kill his family. The story, however, didn't hold up to scrutiny and eventually DeFeo confessed, saying that once he started, he just couldn't stop and that it went too fast. During his trial uh, in November of 75, DeFeo claimed that the voices in his head told him to commit the murders. Additionally, a psychiatrist testifying for defense said that DeFeo had a dissociative disorder which meant that he would have experienced the murders as if he was outside of his body or watching it happen rather than committing the murders himself. The psychiatrist testified uh, for the prosecution and successfully it was argued that uh, Defeo actually was antisocial and had antisocial personality disorder or ABD. Which meant he would have been perfectly aware of what he was doing. He just had no regard for what was right or what was wrong. DeFeo was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder and sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. His version of the story changed a few more times since then, too. According to one interview he gave in '86, his sister Dawn killed their father. After which, their mother killed Dawn and the other children before turning the gun on herself when. DeFeo filed a 4 4 motion in 1990, however, he claimed that Dawn shot the majority of the family before Ronald himself shot her down. William Weber pressurized him into the insanity defense they pushed at his trial. Regardless, his requests for parole have all been denied. And another fact here... He isn't exactly a serial killer, he's a mass murderer. As per the definition by the FBI, a serial murder is the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offenders in separate events. But in this case it was a mass murder as well, he had killed six people on the same event. Another disturbing fact is probably that the Defeo's furniture was reportedly still In the house when the Lutzes moved in, according to the first chapter of the Anson book, the furniture had been in the house when Ronald DeFeo Jr. committed the murders. Reportedly, came with the house when the Lutzes bought it for four hundred dollars in addition to the eighty thousand dollar attractive offer that was made to them. And I mean. It was a comparatively small price to pay for the entire thing though so the Lutzes sprang for it and according to some sources it was the articles were still at the same exact spots it had been left on the night of the murders even after the Lutzes left. People who are interested in case like In this particular case, like to talk about the furniture a lot, head to the place and check out some of the conversations and all that stuff. Yeah. The Ludses, however, lived only for 28 days on Jan 14th, in the year 76. George, Kathleen, or Kathy, the three kids, and the family dog Harry left the house and never, ever returned. According to this interview, George Lutz gave to the ghost village in 2005, one of his last major interviews before his death in 2006. They didn't realize at the time that (laughs) when they headed out, they would never come back. We didn't get up to leave the morning. You need to understand that, Lutz said. This was our house. We lived there. After a night that particularly frightened two of the children, the Lutz said that they had to call a priest. Now, they had been in contact with one throughout the ordeal who encouraged them to go somewhere else following the night. Just to get some rest, of course. And they went to Kathy's mother, but Lutz said that when they left, they didn't know that they weren't coming back and they also did not know that it would follow them there for a long long time. They packed their bags up in Kathy's mother's house leaving the rest of the belongings in the building. Later on their things were picked up and another family moved in later on, facing Another collective series of creepy, rather creepy, experiences. Coming back to what the family had faced throughout the entire stay is uh, um, rather weird. Now, the 112 Ocean Avenue, basically where the Luds lived and the DeFeos were murdered by their oldest son was uh, a rather large Dutch colonial house situated in the suburban neighborhood in Amityville on the south shore of Long Island and George and Kathy Ludge, uh, and the three children moved into the house. They were terrorized by paranormal phenomena while living there. The book purportedly based on this specific true story, described that the house as remaining empty for 13 months after the DeFeo's murder. In December 1975, George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house for what it was considered to be a bargain price of, like I said before, $80,000 in addition to $400 worth of furniture that was there right from the time of the murders and, well, probably before that. We never know. And fun fact, the furniture is still there, lying there and untouched. Also, the address for, of course, public safety and for those particular cu- curious cats like yours, truly, who love to go in these places and carry out their own Investigations, and ghost hunting, and all that kind of crap, you know. Now, the address and the name of that particular building, the address of the house, was altered for safety purposes. So, for safety measures. Now, coming back to what the house was, um, well, it had a rather distinctive gambrel roof, a rather. Comfortable swimming pool, a boathouse and it was located on a canal. I mean that sounds pretty dreamy doesn't it? <laughs> so the Lutzes is married in 1975 the month of July and they had their own homes but they wanted to start afresh with a new property. Kathy was already mother to three children from a previous marriage. Daniel 9, Christopher 7 and Melissa or like they would call Messi, 5. They also owned a crossbreed Malamute Labrador dog named Harry. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the entire murder of the Depeos and asked if that would affect their decision. But they just decided that it wouldn't be a problem. They just didn't care much. The Lutz's family moved uh, on December 19th, 75. Much of the DeFeo's family furniture was still in the house like I said before and everything. A friend of George's learned that the history of the house wasn't really well and insistent on having it blessed. At that time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and I had no experience or idea about what it would entail. Kathy uh, was. A non-practicing Catholic and explained the entire process. George knew a Catholic priest by the name of Father Ray who agreed to carry out the entire house's blessing. In Anson's book, however, the real-life priest, Father Ralph J. Pecoraro, is referred to as Father Mancuso for privacy reasons. Father Mancuso was a lawyer, judge of the Catholic court, and a psychotherapist who lived at the local Sacred Heart rectory. He arrived to perform the blessing while uh, the lodges carried on their unpacking on the afternoon of December 18th, 1975, and went into the building to carry out with the rites. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. When leaving the house, Mancuso did not mention this incident to either of the husband and wife. On December 24th, seventy-five, Father Mancuso called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor where he had heard the mysterious voice which was, again, formerly the bedroom of Mark and Jean-Matthew DeFeo that Kathy planned to use as a saving room. But the call was cut short by static. Following his visit to the house, Father Mancuso allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to a stigmata. At first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house, Talking about their experiences subsequently, they reported that it was as if they were each living in a different house. By mid-January of 76, another attempt at the house blessing was done by George and Kathy. They experienced what would probably turn out to be their final night in the house. has declined to give full account of the events and the events basically took place on this occasion describing them as too frightening. After getting in touch with Mancuso, the Lutzes decided to take some of their belongings and stay at Kathy's mother's uh, near Deer Park, New York, until they had sorted out the problem with the house, of course. They claimed that the phenomena followed them here, with the final scene of the Anson's book describing the greenish-black slime coming up the staircase towards them. On January the 14th of 1976, George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving all of their possessions behind. The following day, a mover arrived to remove the possessions uh, to send to the Lutzes, but reported no such paranormal phenomena while inside the house. The part following this specific portion is a bit creepy and um well here it is on googling demonic boy photograph a particular image pops up I really advise that you do not do it but come on I did it myself so it's iconic even if you don't know what it is from regardless as to whether you believe in ghosts or demons or you do not if you are at all curious about this kind of stuff odds you'll probably see this or have seen this before it was taken during the investigations by paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren yes, the Ed and Lorraine Warren who were famously quoted as the demonologist or the demonologist or whatever you call them yes, the same couple in famous conjuring 1 conjuring 2 the Annabelle series blah 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 yes they are real people and this was done several weeks after the Lutz left the house it seemed to show a small boy with glowing eyes in the doorway to the left of the frame even though there were no children in the house at that point of time now it is worth noting that ghost photos are easily fake Indeed, but spirit photography has been within the purview of con artists since its beginning in the early 1860s, when it was discovered that ghostly effect could be achieved with a simple in-camera technique called double exposure. You don't need exactly any kind of Photoshop skills to convince people by making a really authentic type of fake ghost photo. But for folks who believe that it is an authentic ghost picture or photograph, It shows, it's thought to show that the spirit of John Matthew DeFeo, who was nine at the time of his death, other less paranormal explanations, including it being an accidental capture of the image of a member of the investigation team, or just someone, I don't know, speedy enough to play a really good trick. On that note, um, (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, this entire thing could have just been fabricated. On that note, uh, yeah, of course, Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s lawyer, William Weber, has said that he met the Lutzes who were interested in developing the demonism aspect of the case, reported the New York Times in 92. Indeed, in 79, Weber had written in People's Magazine that he and the Lutzes created his horror story over many bottles of wine. (laughs) He had also gone on a television program called A Current Affair in 1988 and claimed that he and the Lutzes took real-life incidents and transposed them to create a spooky tale sure to make a splash. For example, turning a cat that lived in the neighborhood who had a habit of hanging out of the windows of the Lutzes into face of green-eyed pig that menaced the family through the window in other words, Weber said it was just a hoax. The Lutzes repeatedly denied that the story was a hoax. Additionally, Daniel Lutz, who was 9 when his mother and stepfather moved their entire family to the house, maintained in the 2013 documentary that what the Lutzes said they experienced while living there absolutely happened, possibly because George dabbled in the occult. Christopher Quarantino, Daniel's brother said to the Seattle Times in 2005 that when the remake of the original film was released the haunting wasn't a hoax but had been greatly exaggerated by George now this entire thing is rather strange you might guess, I mean yes of course it is a rather strange set of Cases. strange murder of course person saying that voices in his head instructed him to kill his entire family his brothers his sisters his, his parents and of course yeah, something worth noting the dog was killed as well the amiable horror is Perhaps the most disturbing part in human history regarding horror. I mean, yes, there are cases like the Salem witchcraft thing, but then again, it's not exactly horror as this thing is a rather brutal thing to be done by anybody to their own family. Now, the DeFeo family, well... It was, of course, a sad incident. But what happened, happened. The role of Father Pecorero in uh, the story has been given considerable attention during the course of the lawsuit surrounding the case in the late 70s. Father Pecorero stated in an affidavit that his only contact with the Lutzes concerning the entire thing had been by telephone. Other accounts say that Father Pecorero did visit the house but experienced nothing unusual there. The claims of physical damage to the locks, doors, windows were completely rejected by Jim and Barbara Cromarty, who were later on the residents of the same house and they purchased the house for a much cheaper price of merely $55,000 in March of 1977. Mrs. Cromarty argued that they appeared to be the original items and had not been repaired. The Cromartys also revealed that the red room was a small closet in the basement that would have been known to the the previous owners of that same house, that being the Lutzes because it was not concealed in any way the claim was made in chapter 11 of the book that the house was built on a site where the local Shinecock indians had once abandoned the mentally ill and the dying was rejected by the local native american leaders claim of the cloven hoof prints in the snow of January the 1st 1976 was also rejected by researchers. Now again, here is a real creepy thing. The said hoof prints were particularly to be ram hoof prints now. The Lutzes and father pecorero or the father father Mancuso believed that these hoof prints were basically that of a demon now we do not know how much of it is authentic detail because i don't know scientific reasons i guess and the police officers there are depicted visiting the house in the book of the 79 film but records show that the Luxes did not call the police in any ways during the entire time period that they lived in now 112 ocean avenue There was no bar in Amityville called The Witch's Brew at that time, which again was mentioned in the book. Critiques, including Stephen Kaplan, have pointed out that the changes were made to the book as it was reprinted in different editions in the original hardcover edition. Pecorero's car is an old tan Ford and he experienced an incident in which the hood flies up the windshield while he was driving it in later editions the car is described as a chevrolet vega before reverting to a ford now this is pretty weird why would somebody change it if it was based on real life i mean yes for personal reasons but why is why why tiny things like these it doesn't really matter does it in 77 george and kathy lutz filed a lawsuit against william weber the defense lawyer of ronald DeFeo jr at his trial paul hoffman a writer working On an old account of the same haunting, Bernard Burton and Frederick Moss, both allegedly clairvoyant who had examined the house, along with the Good Housekeeping magazine, the New York Sunday News and the Hearst Corporation, Lutz's allegedly misappropriation of names for trade purposes, invasion of privacy and mental distress, all that stuff. Now, a large number of films have been made based on the same series, same series of books or whatever you call them. There's the Amityville Horror, the original one, and the latest one, the Amityville Harvest. Now, these all are probably set up in a series. And honestly speaking, it's not really worth mentioning. Kathleen Theresa Ludge died of an emphysema and George Lee Lutz died of a rather painful heart disease and even though they were divorced in the uh, late 80s, they remained in pretty good terms if you think about it. Well, this was it related to the entire thing. Now, I'm not really sure about whether or not I could cover the entire thing, but it is what it is let's see what happens alright folks you just finished the um, brief case study of the entire Amityville case now this being my first ever podcast I'm pretty sure it wasn't uh, I mean at par with all the other stuff but I tried whatever I could you know um I mean, of course, I will be giving much more effort into whatever I make later on in the future. Uh, making a podcast was always part of my dream and here I am. I really hope that I. Uh, it was somewhat interesting. If this was to your liking, please do share this with your loved ones, with your friends and you can always write to me My Instagram handle freakshow7360, or you could just search Prithviraj Maiti, and you could, of course, give me your views, your honest reviews, and help me grow by telling me what can be done in order to make my content better every day. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I actually don't even know whether I'm gonna be posting this or not. anytime because i have to tell you i am a bit shy and not perfectionist exactly but i mean come on perfection is something that's i mean not half bad huh? so yeah let's see i'm gonna be uh i'll try to post every other week and if at all somebody's listening well thank you i guess please share it and uh Add this to your playlist if this was to your liking. Share it, like I said, again, if you want it, that is. And, yeah. This was fun. This was real fun. And it took me a while to make the entire thing, but I think it's not that bad, you know? Anyways, thank you for listening. My name is Prithvi, and you're listening to The Real Deal signing out.